2: What's up, everybody? Happy Tuesday! It's PTL time. So glad you could join us. Hope everybody had an awesome Fourth of July weekend. I know I did. It was somewhat interesting and entertaining, and uh, you know a lot of uh, crazy stuff going on in this country, man, with violence over the weekend. We'll get to that, but uh, a lot to get to. We're streaming everywhere on our YouTube page, on my personal Twitter page, Pushing Limits LV, on our fan page on Facebook, Pushing Limits fan page on Facebook. And we got a lot to get to today, of course. Thomas Moskal joining us in studio, the former DA here of Clark County and former top prosecutor here at DUI. Now he represents DUI clients. Thomas, thanks for being here, my man. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good, Brian. How you doing? I'm hanging in there. I didn't sleep a lot over the weekend. What'd you do this weekend?
1: Well, I realized that I'm old. You Another, just realized well, that? Yeah, last night around midnight when the fireworks were still popping off here and there and I was in bed. I said, man, I'm
2: old, man, because every time a firework popped, I was just finding my Can this I anger just bubbling up. Midnight, it was go- like 2, 3 in the morning. These idiots, in lo- these idiots are-, are firing off all these fireworks. It's like, hey, dumbasses, I got to sleep. What are you doing? At 2, 3 in the morning, they're doing this stuff. I'm like, are you 8 years old? You had all night to do this. Why are you doing it at 2:30 in the morning? Why do they do this? I'm thinking, aren't there laws? A little, uh, little alcohol. Are there laws? Involved? Like can't a cop arrest you for doing that? when's the latest you could do this stuff? Come on, Mr. Attorney, tell me. Well, I mean, me. there could be a noise <laughs> ordinance violation at
1: any time, really. But yeah. I, I don't think they're enforcing it too hard on the 4th of July. Yeah, I mean, good. we're get, we're getting conservative in this country, but come on, don't send the cops out about fireworks and okay, well, ordinance say, violations on the
2: fourth. I mean, I'm old, Brian, but God, you know, I'm not I, gonna. I, but you're. But if it's three o'clock in the morning and people have to work the next day, what are you doing? I don't care how drunk you are. You had all night to do that stuff. Are you a moron? Like I don't understand. Why does it have to happen at three o'clock in the morning? So now I realize you are also old. So it sounded got like two we're old guys here on the it radio. It sounded radio. like we're my God. Yeah, but it's crazy. I don't know. Just stop it already. It sounded like a war zone. It sounded like we we're in Iraq at like three o'clock in the morning. It was scary, man. I don't know. I just, I'm like, is that a gun? Oh, no, wait, it's the 4th of July. I'm like, seriously. I, I always think when one of those
1: fireworks pop, you can get that little whizzing sound. And all yeah. of a sudden, you know, a, a yes. stray shot comes through the wall.
2: Yeah, I'm yeah. always worried about that, too. Well, speaking of stray shots, unfortunately, uh, we had this horrible, another mass shooting. I mean, it's just every day. Uh, Another Monday. Yeah, another mass shooting. Um, This one occurred uh, yesterday in uh, downtown Highland Park, which is in Illinois, where there was a Fourth of July parade and six people died. Dozens of people were shot and injured. And uh, a man who – actually, I watched him on CNN this morning, and he agreed to come on our show. His name is Jeff Leon. He, He was right there. He saw everything. He was feet away from the shooter. So he's going to be joining us and and telling us uh, his experience of what he saw, what happened. Uh, he's going to be joining us at the bottom of the hour. We'll get some information on that. Also, a uh, big story coming out of Ohio, where a young black man uh, shot and killed by police. Uh, we just were watching the video before the show. Uh, at the time he was shot, he was unarmed. But the question is, in the in the in the pursuit on foot. But the question is. Did he shoot at police when he was in his vehicle before he fled on foot? Now, the police are saying yes, but I have yet to see any bit of video evidence. I saw an image, Thomas, of uh, what appeared to be maybe a shot out of the car, but it was too difficult to tell. Police say they saw shell casings, but the question is, where is your body camera footage of him shooting at police? You showed us everything else. That's the one piece of evidence we need, in my personal opinion, that justifies... The only thing that would justify police officers shooting him. But it's like, why are you shooting a dude when he's down already? And uh, like, you, you just saw the video. And I guess we'll get into this a little bit later on in the show. But it's like, why are you putting more rounds into him when he's already clearly down and he's not moving? Like, I don't understand that. Well, if this was Vegas, all those cops are not only
1: being reprimanded and suspended, but they're going to probably be terminated. I mean, even if there were shots fired in the car. There were a lot of missteps and violations of policy and best practices when you're going Mm -hmm. out there and unleashing—I mean, to shoot that many bullets without even having a backdrop, I mean, those bullets are going into buildings. They're going to stop somewhere. Right. And so there's a lot of things those cops did wrong, but— uh, it was brutal to watch. Still shooting his body on
2: the ground. I mean, reloading their clips and still going. It sounded like firecrackers. Being I mean, he put already put thirty bullets in him. You think he's going to reach into his waistband and take out a gun and shoot you? I mean, I don't. I don't understand. Uh, so I agree with you. Uh, very egregious. And if if we don't see actual real evidence of him shooting at officers, those cops are murderers, as far as I'm concerned. Now, if he did shoot at officers, I understand why they shot at him. I get that, but then you make the good point of, you know, why are they firing so many bullets in him when he's already down? Anyway, we'll talk about that a little bit later on in the show. Guy, uh, NBA Summer League starting this week. I'm excited about it. It starts Thursday, a uh, week and a half of nonstop NBA basketball with a lot of up and comers, rookies, guys that are on teams, set, you know, uh, Guys, first-year, second-year, third-year guys, and you'll see a few veterans in there from time to time. Maybe some guys that are trying to get back in the league. It's cool. You see all Maybe the, a guy like Jerome Williams who's like, what am I doing down here? I'm about to drop 50 a game yeah, junkyard's so you too old. pull me back out. <laughs> junkyard's too old. He's not going to do it. Uh, but Warren Ligari is a longtime NBA agent. Uh, and he represents a lot of coaches now these days. Warren is is, is the guy that's mainly responsible for having NBA Summer League here in Las Vegas. He's going to be joining us in hour number two. Great guy. I also might have to pick his brain a little bit, him being an agent, his thoughts on Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and all these trade rumors that are going around everywhere. But uh, Warren will be joining us. He does my show every year. We always preview the Summer League, and we'll talk a little bit about that uh, with him in hour number two. So did you do anything eventful over the weekend? Because I'm going to share a few stories that I had over the weekend that was somewhat eventful. I had about, a, I think, a combined total of five hours of sleep in three days. But anyway, uh, did you go to bed, bath, and beyond? Did you have time for that, Thomas? What is- <laughs> <laughs> that was good. No, that is the
1: kind of life that I live now. So, yeah, it was a pretty tame weekend for me. You're hanging out? Yeah, I did this? the Red Rock, Red Rock fireworks last night. Oh, that's cool. Uh, from a distance. That's cool. Yeah, and pulled out. That was about it. That's yeah. it, huh? Did yeah, you do anything with your son?
2: Did the pool on Saturday. Hanging out with the son? But yeah, son, taking the son out. That's cool. Well, you're a, a good dad. That That's nice. Uh, I'm not a father as far as I know, so I really didn't have any of those types of responsibilities. But um, so I have some legal questions for you before we get to that. My car was towed over, over the weekend. I'll get to that. Uh, but so I don't play a lot of poker. So I was uh, meeting a few friends of mine. It was the, the UFC night, which was Saturday night. Uh, we went to, uh, believe it or not. We went to, uh, what's that new Spearmint uh, Hippo, the new strip club. Spearman, Hipp- I Hippo? I wouldn't know. Yeah, I'm Hippo. sure you don't. Uh, but, uh, anyway, we walk in there and I, I didn't go there to see naked ladies. I know that's hard to believe. We went to a UFC viewing party, uh, that night. And, uh, so I had like a few hours to kill, you know, and, and I'm already on the strip. I'm like right next to this place. All right. I'm going to go play some poker. So I go to the very prestigious, uh, Sahara casino. And parked my car. I'll get to that in a few minutes. And I decided to play a little bit of poker. The guy sitting to my right is wearing a MAGA hat. Now, that's a trigger for me. Anybody who knows me knows that's a trigger. I can't keep my mouth shut. But I was respectful to him. And I said, so, you know, so tell me, why do you like Donald Trump? And it started as a civil conversation. And then I said, what do you think about January 6th? And he said, oh, nobody got hurt. I said, what? What? What did you guys say? He goes, Nobody got hurt. it was all nonsense. I said, "Are you being serious? He goes, "Yeah, and I said, "Well, first of all, people died that day. Ah, oh, Ashley Babbitt was murdered. I said, no, she wasn 't what are you I said what are you talking about And then people at the table are like laughing there 's one other Trump supporter at the table, and he 's kind of helping him a little bit, but he 's not a like a not a bad guy and everyone 's like laughing and then the dealer tells me to watch two thousand mules. We get into that conversation. I said, am I surrounded by idiots? That's what I said. I said it out loud. And then most of the people, today were laughing. Like, they're on my side and they're defending me. I got a dealer who's telling me to watch 2,000 Mules, complete moron. And then I got this guy to my right telling me to watch 2,000 Mules. And I said, you really believe that stuff from a convicted felon? And you go, oh, he just did election, you know, he, he did this. He's not really a felon. I said, okay. So we're getting into this conversation. And then I said, why would you respect the opinion of a guy who called Barack Obama a Negro when he was president, because that's what Dinesh D'Souza did. Follow me so far? And the guy looks at me and he goes, there's nothing wrong with calling a black man a Negro. <laughs> this is a white man, okay, not a black guy. And I looked at him, I said, you are a blatant racist. I said, I can understand why you're wearing that hat. Uh, you know, and You know, me, you know, I just... I poke the bear, and I'm getting into it with him, and I call them a racist and all that. Anyway, he's got like 800 in front of him. I've got like $700 in front of me. And I'm thinking in my head, because he hates Hillary Clinton. He's going on these tangents about Hillary Clinton. So I'm like, God, please. Please, God, give me a hand against this guy. Because I'm, I'm a pretty good poker player, but I need a hand to beat a guy like that, because he's not a very good player. He doesn't can't bluff a guy like that. I'm like, please, God, give me a hand. Give me a hand, because he's a moron. And, uh... God answered. God answered my prayers at the poker table because, uh, uh, I made a straight and he had two pair and him being the idiot magus supporting moron who doesn't know how to play poker. Uh, I raise and then he, he pushes all his chips in with two pair. And I just like, I beat him to the pot. I just threw my, <laughs> like, I threw my chips in there. I got, I got the nuts. Cause that's what it means. Uh, not, not the nuts that you're thinking about. num no, i check. I know what you're thinking. Get your mind out of the gutter. Uh, the nuts meeting the best hand in poker. Um, so I rake in the pot, and I have this huge smile on my face, and I look at him because was I had to go to this UFC viewing party. And I said, sir, I just want you to know, every dollar that I just took from you will not only be donated to the Democratic Party, but to the Hillary Clinton campaign. So everyone at the table is laughing. And you know, I say to the dealer, I think I said something like, I'm going to get you a signed copy of 2,000 Mules. I know how much you love it. I gave him a dollar you know, tip on being a, a jerk, you know. This guy, everyone at the table is laughing. Even the Trump supporter on the other side is laughing. He thought I was funny, gave me a fist bump. This guy gave me the death look like the look that your wife or girlfriend gives you when she finds out that you cheated on her. I got that look. Okay. This guy wanted to kill me. He was like red in the face. I took all his chips. And it was a, it was the highlight of my weekend. Is that wrong? I mean, I'm just telling you It was the highlight of my weekend. this MAGA moron. I took all of his money, and then I said I was donating it to the Hillary Clinton. Well he, you know, he probably watched Training Day recently, and he was like, "Too
1: bear too."
2: Bear. <laughs> That's funny. But anyway, so I'm in a really good mood, Thomas. I'm in a really good well, mood. Hold on. Is
1: there any worse feeling in poker than when you push your chips in and the other guy beats you into the
2: pot? Well, well he's an idiot. I mean, you're like having a heart attack well, right there. You're like, well, well, he's a, I didn't put him in yet. I didn't well, he's put a him moron in. because there's a straight on the board. And he's, yeah, if you just you know call it. You just got, call he's it. Got, he's got two pairs. If you go all in and you get called, yeah. you lost. Well, he's, he's a moron. Right. He's a moron. He made a terrible bet. Um, he deserved to lose all of his money, not just because he's a MAGA moron Trumplickin', but he's a terrible poker player, and it was very enjoyable. I took all of his money, so anyway, I'm in a really good mood, right? I'm meeting some friends, I'm going to the strip club, yeah, gonna watch this UFC fights. Uh, last fight was terrible, by the way, but uh, I'm in a good mood, you know. And I got about a half an hour, so I'm like, all right, I'll get there a few minutes early. I walked to my car, and it's gone. It's gone. Now, I did not park legally. Uh, I didn't park in a fire zone. I would never do that. I kind of parked – I didn't think I was going to be there that long. I I parked in a corner uh, where I'm not blocking anybody. But usually in casinos, they don't tow your car. Usually they'll give you a warning or something. Totally gone. So I'm freaking out. Uh, The first thing I thought was they they didn't tow my car. I'm thinking that my car was stolen because I had a car that was stolen in Vegas like 10 years ago. Why anybody would want to steal an 0400 Elantra, I really have no idea. But they did. So I'm freaking out and then a scared digger comes out. He's like, were you the owner of that car? Yeah, we just towed it 20 minutes ago. I'm like, oh you gotta be effing kidding me. So I'm livid. I'm angry. Uh, my car was towed one other time in Las Vegas like 15 years ago. Uh, they towed my car to the furthest possible place you could have taken it. It's almost like they did it on purpose. And I know, correct me if I'm wrong, Thomas, but they get a kickback, don't they? I don't know if it's 50 bucks or 100 bucks, but most properties when when they when, when your car is towed, don't Usually, the private property property places get like a small kickback. Mm, it's not unheard of. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure they probably got a kickback. But anyway, security guard was a complete jerk to me. Uh, didn't even give me the name of the company. Just gave me the address. Wouldn't give me any more information. So I go to get my uh, car from this towing company. It was like deep in the deep in North Vegas. Like it was the kind of place where. Um, you don't want to be carrying a lot of money on you, and uh, it's you know that's one time in my life where I wish I was armed because it was very unsafe where I was. Uh, it took them like twenty minutes. Finally, got my car out of there. In fact, you know how they write they write things on the back of the windshield. Uh, like it's still on my windshield. I can't. I have to get that off. But that really ruined my evening. I was feeling so good about taking all this guy's money, this this maga supporting fool, and then I get my car towed. I showed up late to the UFC fights. So I was able to catch the last last few fights. Let me ask you a question: um, Is there any chance I can get my money back? Do you think there's any chance that if I talk to the casino that I can lure them into writing me a check? No way, no way.
1: I mean, the whole towing thing in this in this town. There are people who are victims of crimes, or for whatever reason, and they end up owing the tow yards two three thousand dollars they can't pay it the tow yards auction their cars off and there's Mm -hmm. no recourse it's something that really needs to be changed by the legislature because it's an ongoing problem but yeah the casino is not
2: uh, well i will tell you about 15 years ago i parked my car uh at the mgm again illegally they towed my car i knew a few people over there sent them an email they reimbursed me it's like 250 bucks you're probably right about this one I don't have any pull at the Sahara. <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it was my mistake, of course. Maybe you could get some comps. Yeah, maybe I could take you to Bizarre Meats or something. I mean, that really cost the casino nothing, right? <laughs> That's true. So maybe they would go that route Maybe, it.
1: Maybe they could but do something. But why are you always parking illegally at the casinos? I don't get this.
2: Um, So I'm, I'm the kind of guy that likes to take the easy way out, and I'm, I'm lazy sometimes. And, and the parking over there is horrible. And... I figured I was only going to be there for maybe fifteen. So what 20 was, minutes. It wasn't a fire zone. No, no, it wasn't
1: restricted. What was
2: it? No, it was like it was part of like the driveway on the side there going in, and then there's a place in back there where there's another entryway. And I wasn't blocking anybody. I just parked on the side there. Uh, they were just being, you know, they were just being a jerk. I mean, listen, they could have put a sticker on my car, or given me a warning or something. They decided not to do that, so they, they towed my car, man. So, uh, you know, luckily the money that I won at poker certainly covered it. But but it just put me in a really, uh, I guess you could say, stale mood. I don't know. I wasn't. I wasn't. Have your has your car ever been towed before? Yeah, it has been towed.
1: Matter of fact, the in first, Vegas, I was like seventeen. I was dating this girl. She was like twenty two, and I went into her apartment. When I came out that night, look my, at you, seventeen
2: my, year old dating a twenty two. I know. Wow, I know. Look at this guy. Back, unbelievable. Back he wasn't even an attorney. Wasn't even It's yeah, unbelievable. I know.
1: <laughs> Technically, no. I don't know what the age of consent was back then. Was she raping me? <laughs> Yeah, uh, but you know, I went outside. The car was gone. And I was like, "What the hell?" And it was like literally those apartments where if you park,
2: <laughs> did you just ask if a girl raped you? Well, yeah. I don't mean, mean to laugh about that.
1: Statutory rape. It's so weird to statutory rape.
2: Okay. consent
1: is not even a defense of statutory Understood. rape. Right? Understand was just weird. So you say in it like Nevada, that. The, <laughs> the age of consent is sixteen, but there has to be at least a four-year or five-year gap Mm -hmm. so you're not going to charge a kid who's 19 with a 16 year old or 19 with a 15 year old how do you
2: how do you pick up a 22 Um, year old when you're 17 i want to hear more about that rather than you getting your car towed because nobody cares about that i think it was more like she picked me up Really? yeah yeah. where were you i was really
1: shy back then i was really shy but i was a basketball player i was a ball player and i was i was pretty i was pretty good Mm -hmm. and uh so, yeah, I was hanging out with older crowds a lot, too. Look I always did. So when I was when I was 15 years old, I always played with the 18- and 19-year-old guys because I was that good. Look at that. And then you start hanging around, and the next mm. thing you know, you know you're 17, but you've been hanging around guys three or four years older than you, and they got the girls that are three or four years older yeah. than you hanging out, too. And
2: What happens if your car is being towed and you refuse to, like, leave the vehicle? Legally, they can't tow your car when you're in the vehicle, right? Or can they? You Let's, refuse to get yeah, out of the car. Yeah. What if you refuse to get out? I've never heard of a situation where someone's
1: getting towed while they're sitting in their car. Usually it happens because you've left the car there, you know, You right? know
2: when they put this those— This is a silly situation. I don't know. Yeah, I'm just curious. Like, what the thought, thought crossed my mind. What if they put those things on your tire? Like, sometimes they don't tow your car, but they put those little devices on your tires. Oh, yeah, those are the worst. What if you, like, took, like, a hacksaw or, you, I don't know, you took—you just, like, I don't know. You messed with their
1: – Man, have you ever seen – have you ever gone up close and inspected yeah, one of those they're things? they're very difficult. Man, yeah, if you get yeah. one of those off your car with a hacksaw, yeah, hey, yeah. respect to you. Is there, there any way that.
2: to – like how could they uh, do anything to you? It's like you're putting that on my personal property. Is there any law Well, there's a bunch of ordinances there. You'd Are there? Be,
1: yeah, you'd be in bigger trouble destroying their property. Really? Yeah.
3: Yeah. Yeah,
1: right. well, but I'd
2: let you go just if you if you got it off of the hacksaw, I'd let you go. <laughs> the thought crossed my mind. That's all. I'm just curious, but no, they towed my car. So sounds I, like I, an t- episode of Tow Wars. So, oh, by the way, that, yeah, I know another thing that, that that'd be it's a good reality show. Uh, I, it's I decent, yeah,
1: but yeah, yeah. I've never seen someone sitting in there. They always come out and argue, but no, yeah. they, there has to be one where someone actually got back into their
2: car. It's just brutal. I just feel like these places are so scummy. They're they're so scummy. Like I don't know. I walk into these dirty offices and it's like, dude, look at what you do for a living. Look at what you do. Are you happy with what you do? It's like a telemarketer. There are some jobs out there. I'm like, do, do you have any respect for yourself? Well, like, the tow yard's really a front
1: to dispose of bodies. I mean, uh, absolutely. You seen Reservoir Dogs? Uh, of course, you've absolutely. Seen, you've seen Pulp
2: Fiction? I mean, you know what I mean, though. Right? There are some jobs out there where I just feel like it's just no respect. It's just no respect at all. Like telemarketers, for example. Like, what are you doing? You know, you call yourself a professional sports handicapper and, you, and your picks are no better than Chris Wynn. It's like, what are you doing? You know, it doesn't doesn't make any sense. But, yeah, that's, that's sort of how my weekend went. I didn't really get any sleep. I was out late on Saturday. I didn't sleep much. I woke up really early on Sunday to play 18 holes of golf. And, by the way, I'm playing golf with a friend of mine, a few people actually. And one of the friends of mine that I'm playing golf with, I don't know if he's listening now, he is just a wacky right, right-wing Republican Trump supporter, man. And it's like I'm playing, go- I'm, I'm playing golf with Doc Walls who, who ran for office. He's a Reagan Republican. And this guy is such a huge Trump supporter. And he's saying things that – first of all, he still thinks that Trump won in 2020. And he said there was no other person he'd rather vote for than Donald Trump. And, like, I'm playing golf and I'm just thinking to myself, what how, – how, how is this guy my friend? And he has these views. I never knew he was that so radical. I knew he was a Republican. I knew he voted for Donald Trump, but he would vote for him again. I'm like, I don't know, man. I know, Thomas, you think I'm a liberal. I'm really not. I'm a pretty—I don't (laughs) like—I don't want Joe Biden to be president again. I don't like Kamala Harris. I don't like Chuck Schumer. I don't like Nancy Pelosi. I don't like Ilhan Omar. A lot of Democrats I don't like. But, you know, I put Donald Trump ahead of all those people. Yeah, Yeah, Trump inspires loyalty
1: from a <laughs> yeah. lot
2: of the electorate. I mean it just is
1: what it is, you know? And uh you know, I, there's a lot of missteps by the Democratic Party and why there's that loyalty there to Trump. You got to remember the majority of this country yeah. is white, okay? That they is are. True. That and is the decur- Democratic Party has ma- made themselves open to the Republican Party uh galvanizing that hey, white people have been left behind by the Democratic Party. And the Democratic Party is a little less inclusive when it comes to that. And the Republican
2: Party is banking on that. And it's working. I think a lot of people forget, though, Donald Trump lost the popular vote by over 3 million votes in 2016. More than 3 million people voted for Hillary Clinton over Donald Trump. So the idea that Donald Trump, you know, if we didn't have the the electoral college, I don't believe Republicans would, would, would ever win. I
1: really don't. But aren't most of these elections, it's not like we're looking at 60-40 splits. Everything's like 51-49, 52-48. So when you're looking at numbers like that, there's not this overwhelming majority one way or the other in this country. Everything comes down to this little
2: 50-50, which is wild when you think about it. Who's uh, Nunchuck, who's calling in bothering us?
1: Phone call just came through. Yeah, The guy wanted me to let you know that Syslac was a telemarketer
2: for 30 years here in Vegas. Okay, and and his point? That's I don't know. Thank you, sir, for adding
1: that to the show. Uh, thank you. I well, couldn't... his point is, you just said telemarketers get yeah. zero respect, but were yeah, you just I talking don't. about the handicappers? Or are you talking about telemarketers? Sports in handicappers.
2: In well, I, I don't think a telemarketer is a very respectful job. So, if Syslac was a telemarketer, which I don't, I don't, it doesn't change my opinion of who he is now. But I was a telemarketer for uh, I think four a, days. I think it's a crappy job. I think it's a scummy job to bother people and call people. So my opinion doesn't change. By the way, my opinion also doesn't change on Steve Sisolak. This is speaking of Steve Sisolak. Thank you, for, sir, for calling and giving me that. Uh, because I've, now I, I'm going to switch over to the Fourth of sir, July. Thank you, for that segue. Yes, what a wonderful segue. Uh, so Steve Sisolak was a part of a Fourth of July parade. Was this yesterday or Sunday? I, I don't know if it was yesterday or Sunday. It um, was. Yesterday was the Fourth of July. So I believe the, it was yesterday. What imagine they wouldn't do a 4th of July uh, parade on the 3rd of July. But anyway, he did a, he, a 4th of July parade uh, in Boulder City. Right. Uh, this is what it sounded like as Sisolak was driving by uh, in this parade on Boulder City. Keep in mind, this isn't a political parade, right? It's not a politician that is campaigning. This is a 4th of July parade where we're supposed to be celebrating our independence, and here's what it sounded like when Syslac was driving by. <laughs> Idiots! Idiots! It's like four people. Idiots. Okay, so first of all, it's the same feeling I have of the people that shout out Let's Go Brandon uh, at a football game or F Donald Trump. I'll even go the other way. This is a 4th of July parade, you dumbasses. We're here to have fun. Families are there. Just because you don't like some of the governor's policies or you're a trumplicant or whatever your reason is, don't ruin it for everybody else, you idiots. But can there be anything more fun than booing
1: the governor to his face? <laughs> I mean, seriously. Even if you are in favor of him, it's like, I'm going to boo well, him when he w- drives by. I
2: mean, like. High five. I mean, like. some
1: beers together.
2: I mean, Donald Trump uh, was on the strip. Uh, he, he arrived here when he was president, and I guess he was driving on the strip to his hotel. That's the time to boo, okay? If you don't like Joe Biden and he's driving down the strip, you can boo, okay? Fine. I don't have a problem with it, even if I agree or disagree with your politics. It's a 4th of July parade. What are you doing? This isn't about the governor. Okay, he's there. He's waving to people. Don't wave at him if you don't like him. Fine. I I just like, I don't understand these people. They're idiots. Like, what are you doing? It's not, nobody cares what your politics are at a 4th of July parade. That's all I'm saying. That, am I not making sense? I don't know. Maybe they knew he was a telemarketer, and they hate telemarketers. <laughs> Maybe that's what it is. Right? That's exactly yeah. what I it mean, is. I mean, spec, you you're speculating a lot on their reasons for booing. Maybe that's what it is. I don't know. Well, listen, I'll tell you what. something a lot worse than booing is somebody that takes out a rifle and sprays 60 rounds of bullets and kills uh, six people and injures dozens. That's what happened, uh, Thomas. Uh, Highland Park, Illinois. People out there with their families trying to have a good time, and now six people uh, you know, are are dead. Uh, shooting suspect um, taken into custody last night. They found him. Uh, he used a high-powered l- rifle in the attack. This is somebody, witnesses are saying that, you know, they were frantically fleeing. I watched the video. Very, very scary. Reminded me a little bit of October 1. Just people running. And, and we're learning that the person who did this, I'm not going to say his name, but the person that did this dressed in female clothing was up there on a rooftop firing the bullets and then, uh, you know, kind of mixed in with the crowd, got out of there, borrows his mom's car and luckily a good Samaritan, uh, Spotted him. I don't even know how that happened, but it's pretty wild.
4: So I just saw that he was
1: dressed as a woman mm-hmm. to mix right. in. While everything yeah, happened. I'm not,
2: I'm not saying he's a transgender. No. Or what I'm what I'm saying is he did that he on did purpose. He did that purposely. Right. That, he was trying to hide his tattoos. Yeah. Also say, not saying he's not a transgender either. I mean, right. you just don't know. I don't know. Okay. What I do know is he's a freak. He looks like, not to say that transgenders are freaks. I'm saying, he, he you know, just take a look at his mug shots. He looks like the guy that would kill Like a Post Malone's of, little brother or something, he, right? he looks like the guy that would, that would murder innocent people. But uh, very sad situation. I'm glad they got him. This is a guy who was a failed rapper who uh, made videos about killing kids in schools, and then he's legally allowed. By the way, when you make a music video about killing innocent people, you probably should not be allowed to buy a weapon. I'm just throwing that out there for all you people out there that are against red flag laws. He probably shouldn't have been allowed to buy a weapon. But anyway, Thomas, coming up next, uh, a guy that was a witness to the shooting. I believe he was there with his wife. Uh, at Highland Park, Illinois, he was feet away from the shooter. His name is Jeff Leon, and he's going to join us next and kind of tell us what he saw. Uh, what a scary situation. I mean, you're out there with your family uh, enjoying a 4th of July parade, just trying to have a good time. And then all of a sudden, you got to worry about hiding you know, and, and, and hoping that you're not shot and killed. It's just it's terrible. So i got what? a rule. Face tattoo, increase background checks on those guys. I don't have a problem D. with that. Yes. I don't have a problem with that at all. I don't have any face tattoos. If I did have a face tattoo... Uh, it would be of Chris Wynn right here on my right cheek. And Delilah no. on the other. Exactly. And they would be holding hands. It's Over ex- your nose. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it's exactly what I would do. All right. So we're going to take a quick break. He's Thomas Moskal. I'm Brian Shapiro. Jeff Leon, who was a witness to the shooting that took place uh, downtown Howland Park, will be joining us next. Take a quick break. Be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. <laughs> All right, welcome back to Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. Glad you could join us. we got attorney Thomas Moskal in studio as well. You know, on the 4th of July weekend, I gave a couple fun stories, and I want to talk about, you know, families that are having a barbecue and, and enjoying our independence, enjoying a day off. And, you know, you turn on the news uh, late yesterday and today, and, and, and a lot of it is... Uh, And rightfully so. I mean, sadly, of this horrible shooting that took place, six people have lost their life in in downtown Highland Park in Illinois because of a madman that decided to spray a bunch of bullets and kill a bunch of people. It's just a horrible situation. But I wanted to get, you know, firsthand knowledge of what took place uh, and, and, and what what happened out there and the guy joining us on the line right now his name is Jeff Leon uh, sharing his story he was there he saw what happened and luckily he was one of the survivors Jeff I do appreciate you coming on sir Uh, how are you sir
0: we're doing okay thanks for asking
2: I wish it was under better circumstances uh, that we could speak Uh, you were there with your wife do I have that right
0: yeah I was there with my wife I have uh, 14 year old twin boys And they're going to be freshmen in high school, and they were marching with the football team. Oh, my Um, gosh. And I have a 13-year-old who wasn't too enthused about seeing his brothers march, so he was at home. Um, And, you know, my wife and I, we dropped the boys off early, as they had to be dropped off. And then we weren't even sure if we were going to go. We made kind of a last-minute decision. Hmm. we found out easy parking space, which is rare, and we found a clear viewing area right smack in the middle of the route, which was we were congratulating ourselves. Right. Um, and um, the, the shooting happened, you know, there, it's a corner of, you know, such as it is a busy corner of downtown Highland Park. But, you know, it's a, it's a very nice downtown for a small uh, suburb. Um we sat on the southwest corner in front of a, a cosmetic store called Blue Mercury. And, uh, you know, we saw the first several things go by, the, you know, the usual stuff, the fire truck, the police, the, you know, a couple of politicians from lesser offices and the marching band. And then um, a klezmer band, if you know what klezmer music mm. is, was just coming by when I heard I mean, it was just the loudest thing I've ever heard in my life. But I honestly thought it sounded like somebody let up a string of firecrackers inside of, you know, the the big commercial metal trash bins because mm-hmm. that really magnifies the sound. Um, only it stopped and then it started again, right? So there were sort of two distinct sounds. And in, in, in that short, all of this took less than 30 seconds total. But mm. we noticed... The police were acting, reacting. We saw people falling
2: to Mm. our right, to the east. How far was that from you when you saw these people fall? Uh, 25 yards. Oh, my God.
0: Literally, you know, as we now know where he was positioned. So we were on the southwest corner. He was on a building in the northwest corner. And he was apparently on an angle facing southeast. Can
2: I ask you this, Jeff? What... For somebody that has never seen something like this up close, and I hope you know nobody does, but I, sadly in our society we have all these shootings, what is going through your mind? You're there with your wife. You're there with your kids. You're there with your family. And you know it's gunshots. You see people falling, as you said, 25 yards from you. I mean, I'd be going crazy. I'd be panicking. What is going through your mind at that point?
0: Well, there is a fair degree of panic, but I'm not a panicky guy. And I wasn't altogether convinced it wasn't shooting yet. Um, You know, because, again, we saw people falling, but we didn't know why. You know, we just knew that there was a mad scramble. People were reacting. People were knocking each other over. The sorts of things that, you you know, you would see, you know, almost like in a concert trample kind of situation. But, I mean, the immediate reaction was we ran behind the, the Mercury store, which is part of, you know, a long row of, you know, old, brick you know buildings and there's a parking lot behind there and you know i'm 57 and i'm you know, not the skinniest guy i don't think i've moved like that since i myself played football you know back mm-hmm. in the 80s um and my wife and i you know you know the cars are you know head in and in line we're just ducking and diving you know from car to car moving wow. from road to road trying to move south and the reason we were trying to move south was, first of all, it was away from the shooting, but it was also in the direction of where our kids were because, right. yeah, you know, we knew from past experience of the kids marching with Boy Scouts or whatever, you know, that they hold all the, uh, you know, the line in the parking lot of the train station, which is uh, a couple blocks south of the parade area, and the kids. Uh, I, the one thing I felt comfortable with was. Probably twenty seconds before the, the shooting, I stood up and looked down the parade route, which was coming from east to west, to see if they were coming. We didn't know what their order was. Yeah, and I didn't see them, and yeah. I have pretty good distance eyesight, so I knew they were nowhere near the shooting.
2: Did you ever see the shooter? We did not. You did not. Okay. Yeah, my understanding is he was dressed in dressed in female clothing to try to mix in and disguise his tattoos. Luckily, he was captured. So, you know, I saw you on CNN and uh, I I saw you, uh, you know, and and, and on your social media page, like me, you're pretty outspoken. And when it comes to gun control issues and obviously very frustrating, did you ever think that you'd be a part now of something like this, sadly?
0: Honestly, no. I mean, the reason people live in places like Highland Park, Illinois is, you know, you you think you, you know, I saw a friend put this on her Facebook page saying you can't even buy yourself peace anymore. Mm. Um, but that's kind of what you think you're buying in art, right? Good schools, you know, nice community, low risk of of, of gun violence, and yeah. and if there is, it's going to be of the you think of the domestic violence sort. Nothing, right?
2: Right. You know, but,
0: what I what but, I ask, what I kind of
2: ask is, and I ask a lot of questions when it when it comes to this issue. But one of them that I definitely ask is, here is somebody, and I'm sure you've heard about the shooter. I'm not going to say his name, but here's somebody who dreamed about and visualized about killing a lot of people. One of his music videos uh, is a video of him shooting up kids in a school. He has other videos that are promoting violence. How is it that these people get through the cracks and another person is able to buy a gun legally and fire off a bunch of rounds in a rooftop trying to kill people like yourself and members of your family, and sadly six people are now dead and dozens of people are injured. How are we living in a country where these people continually are allowed to buy guns and weapons of war?
0: I mean, it's a great question. And, you know, the, the answer is multifaceted. And it it starts with, um, a, a you know, a powerful political system that... Uh, actually punishes lawmakers who, uh, you know, seek to, to uh, rein in gun control. And now we have a court system that almost makes what lawmakers can do a moot point, because they're going to declare it all unconstitutional.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, you know, that there, there are some good aspects about gun control that came out of this, in, in, in the sense that, uh, look, there's nothing good about it. But, you know, I got into a little bit of a debate with Naveed Jamali, you know, who is a MSNBC host about this. He was saying, we need, you know, this was a legally purchased weapon. Um, now, you can say it shouldn't have been legal, able to be legally purchased, and I would agree with you a million percent. But the point was, it was. And he left the weapon on the roof, right, because that would have carrying, you know, an AK or a or whatever it was, was going to make it more difficult for him to blend into the crowd to kind of escape. So they ran the serial number and immediately knew it was him, right? Because it was a properly purchased, properly registered weapon. Um, You know, the the issue of whether people like this are, you know, can be stopped in advance, you know, is dependent on the degree of a following that they have. Um, You know, my understanding from my kids, as soon as the name came out, my kids were all over, you know, his social media showing up videos and it was unbelievable. He had had when my kid jumped on. The kid had like fifty followers, and it you know it was in the thousands. Right. You know, in the few minutes we were looking, people were actually following this guy, right? Sick. Knowing who he was at this point, yeah. right? Um, and before they shut, before they shut it down. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's only so much I think that the algorithms can do. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can do better. They should do better. Um, But, you know, it, it, it's a, like, hidden little world in a hidden little corner. Right. And, you know, I just heard the latest press conference, and uh, the police said there's no indication that he was acting with any racial, religious, or other, you know, animus. Yeah. Um, so I, I, I don't really know what made this kid tick.
2: Well, here's so, what I can say to that, Jeff, and I, and I don't uh, want to make it political. But a lot of people on the right like to say, oh, it's Antifa and all these people on the left are the violent. People on the right aren't violent. You know, some, some idiots on the right will make statements like that. Uh, if you do go to his social media page or, or did or you looked at its pictures, you would know that he bragged about being a Donald Trump supporter. And he had alt-right views that many of the people, quite frankly, at the January 6th insurrection had. These, these people are radicalized and we need to figure out why and how they're radicalized who is radicalizing them and then i believe we need to hold people accountable you're not going to find that with everybody not everybody that kills innocent people uh is radicalized and political they're just crazy and evil but if you do look at this person's history you will see that in my personal opinion just based on some of the pictures he was radicalized and i think in our society we need to find out why and how that's happening i don't know if you'd agree with that
0: i I do let me just take it a step further this is the difficulty right? If you say he was radicalized, uh, what you just described is a fairly typical Trump supporter profile, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Some goes to rallies who has certain views. So if we define that as being radicalized, we're now talking about 30 million Americans. And that, beyond that being a horrifying, but maybe perhaps realistic prospect, dramatically increases the complexity of trying to weed out who has the propensity for violence.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Look, I agree with you. I I mean, sometimes I think, you know, the conservative response is you can accuse them of anything and they'll just say, oh, it's not me. It's you.
2: Yeah.
0: The uh, the ones you are. Mm hmm. Yeah. Groups named Proud Boys.
2: Oh, you're right, and I and I I've 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 had to I've had to deal with with some people that I know that are defend the Proud Boys. It's despicable. Well, Jeff, let me end on this, man. I'm so sorry that. Uh you, your family, your wife, your kids had to see this. Uh, obviously, we, we all agree on our thoughts for the families and the victims, but I'm so glad that you were able to make it out okay with your family. I'm sorry you guys had to see this. Uh, I'm glad this person was brought to justice, but uh, you know, uh, we, w- this country, we need to do a better job and, uh, of stopping these types of things from happening. I appreciate you coming on with us, Jeff. I really do, my friend, and uh, glad you guys are okay, and uh, I do appreciate your time. Thank you so much
0: for having me and keep all of our, our neighbors in your thoughts and prayers.
2: I will, Jeff. I, I appreciate your time, my friend. Thank you so much. Uh, that is Jeff Leon. He was saw him on CNN yesterday and uh, wow. I mean, he said he was 25 yards, Thomas, from watching people going down. It reminds me of interviews that I did with October 1 people, people that survived October 1 that said, I mean, I, I, I remember interviewing... Uh, The wife, she lost her husband, and they were holding hands when he was shot. I mean, it's just, that's something you never forget for the rest of your life. Uh, The people that obviously have lost their lives, the families will never get them back. I would imagine some of these injuries are very serious. There's dozens of people that were shot and injured. Uh, Even the people that were not injured, like Jeff's family. You think those kids will ever forget this day? Um, It's just uh, going to keep happening, man. These shootings are going to keep happening. You know, I look at the list of the people that died yesterday. Not everybody still has been identified, but a a grandfather, a 70-year-old that was there with his grandkids, you know, just there with his kids having a good time. A mother who volunteered her time at a local synagogue there, a good woman who who cared about the community. She's gone. Um, Do you agree with me that these people obviously have a propensity for violence and they're evil and they're demented, but they also get radicalized? When you look at the hatred that's out there in the media every day, and he also makes a good point, all the people that follow his social media. Listen, I understand if you're a news person or you're you're in the media and you want to get information on the shooter, I get that. Um, But there is a part of society that, you know, I mean, think about it. Scott Peterson, the guy who killed his wife and unborn child, right? There are people that write love letters to Scott Peterson. There is a sick part of this country that idolizes mass shooters, most of us do that, absolutely not. But I think it's that—that's a part of it as well. I think some of these people they want to become famous for something, and they're demented, they're crazy, of course. You know, and, the, and then there's people like the guy who did the October One shooting, who obviously was severely mentally ill, wanted to take down as many people as possible, probably knew he was going to die and take his own life, but. Well, that's really what it is with these mass shootings. I think a lot of times people lose
1: the sight of it. it's kind of like suicide by cop. I mean, this is like suicide by mass shooting. I mean, these aren't, some of these are not really, the idea behind it isn't to kill, it is to commit suicide by killing. And, I mean, I don't want to go any deeper into it than there's a system. Look, systems have this chaos and kind of breakdown, right? Mm -hmm. And if you look at society, uh, American society is a system, it's like, they're just – it's just made to have turbulence here, and what we're seeing here is not an isolated incident. There's a lot of this going on, and it's its it, its symbolic and emblematic of something deeper, what a deeper issue is, and uh, no one's able really to put their finger on it because you have these individual factors too with every single case. But there's something bigger going on here.
2: We're obviously – I agree with you. There's some – we're obviously not going to get this assault weapons ban. I wish we could. Uh, I don't know if you would support something like that, but what I what, uh, you know what we do need is not more guns. We need less guns as far as I'm concerned. We need less weapons. Um, I had a conversation yesterday at a barbecue with friends of mine, and one of the guys uh, you know uh, lives in Denmark, right? Another guy was from England. They have like literally not even one percent of the gun violence we have in this country. I said, why is that? Well, you know, usually you can't really buy a gun legally there. And if you do, you have to go through a ton of paperwork. Um, You know, uh, in this country, we have a fascination or some of us do a fixation, I guess is the right terminology when it comes to guns. You know, people are obsessed with their guns in this country. And I've never been that person that says, you know, hey, you should never write to bear arms. Yes, you should. But why do we only have this country? Why is it that there are mentally ill people all over the world, but in this country, the mentally ill are able to get their hands on guns, uh, assault weapons, and kill uh, a lot of people, as you said, before maybe taking their own life. Why is that? I think there's a lot of things we can do, and I talk about gun control all the time. There's not one thing, there's not two things. There's a lot of things we could do to. To make things better. Well, first of all, uh, if somebody is shooting a bunch of kids in the school classroom, police should probably go in there and engage the shooter. Let's just start there. The Uvalde shooting is just despicable in every sense of the word. And and doors that are locked are not going to deter somebody from going in there and shooting people. That's number two. So we can just stop right there with, with, with that nonsense that Ted Cruz put out there. Uh, I don't even want to talk about the excuses that Republicans make when it comes to guns because they have zero credibility on this issue. I think there's several things we need to do. I think an assault weapons ban has to be put in place. That's not taking your rights away. People want to say Democrats want to take all your rights away. Not true. You have the right to buy a weapon to defend yourself. Give me one logical reason why you need an AR-15. You don't need an AR-15 to defend yourself from a home invasion. You're not going to have an army of 100 come in there, uh, into your home. What? Uh, Most home invasions are one person, maybe two people, maybe maximum three people. You don't need an AR-15 to defend yourself. That is a lie. You don't need an AR-15 to hunt. That is a lie. I don't care how much you enjoy your AR-15. Your enjoyment is not as important as innocent kids that are dying. Get rid of assault weapons. Don't know if that's going to happen. That would be my number one priority. Number two priority, yeah, we need to do a better job with mental illness. We need to. Do, that flies into the red flag laws, though. Many Republicans out there do not agree with red flag laws. Now, listen, if I made a phone call to 911 now and I said, you know what? And I'm hypothetical. Thomas just said he was going to kill somebody, you know, and I lied. You know, you have to be credible. It has to be credible. Red flag laws, case-by-case case basis, right? If you have a husband who leaves a voicemail to his ex-wife that says, I'm going to come to the house and I'm going to kill you tonight, that's credible. You have the evidence. Boom. He cannot buy, purchase a gun until he gets evaluated, until he, you know, charged, whatever. Red flag laws need to be put on the books. Doesn't mean I believe that if somebody calls somebody and says, hey, he threatened me, oh, we're going to go to your house now and take all your weapons away. It's not what I'm saying. But there needs to be logical red flag laws put in place in every state. And state by state, the laws are different. I don't like that. I don't like it. So red flag laws, I think, are something else that are very important. I mean, I I personally believe if we did just those two things, I think gun violence in this country would go way down. We need to be – and you've talked about this, and I want you to talk about it some more. But the laws on the books need to be tougher. If you sell an illegal gun to somebody, it should be a mandatory jail sentence. If you – Buy a gun illegally, mandatory jail sentence. People know out there if you get caught with an illegal gun or a gun that is not registered in your name, you are going to go to jail. No exceptions, no probation. So I think if we can do those three things, it's not going to solve all the violence in this country. But I'm not sure that shooting takes place over the weekend. I'm not sure the Evalde shooting takes place. I'm not sure the October 1 shooting takes place. So, I mean, you know, those are are the three things that I would start with. I don't Not know,
1: bad I, ideas. Yeah. Not bad ideas. But, you know, the way our system's constructed, it's, it's a long fight to get any kind of legislation passed. Yeah. And before any legislation gets passed, it's watered down. And then that's before you even get to the enforcement aspect of it.
2: Yeah. Uh, no, I mean, I, I agree with you. I think there's a lot of things that need to happen. Speaking of despicable, though, what do you think Senator Ted Cruz said? Thoughts and prayers, right? Here's what Senator Ted Cruz said about this latest shooting. I'm appalled by today's attack at the Highland Park Parade. Today is a day of celebration, and an evil criminal turned it into a day of horror. Heidi and I are praying for those injured. Well, thank God Ted Cruz is praying, because that's really going to do a lot of good. Uh, He's praying for the families and those who were murdered today and for the law enforcement searching for this monster. Well, that's very helpful, isn't it? It's very helpful. Just want everyone to know out there, Ted Cruz is praying. So, I mean, that's, you know... He says nothing of substance. He has no solutions. Just like after the Evaldi shooting, we need to have harder... You know, lock, lock the door. He blamed Remember, he blamed the, the, the back door being, not being locked. Nothing about gun control. Empty words by these Republicans, most of them. Not all of them, but most of them. And I'm just sick of it, man. And this is where I will defend Democrats until the cows come home. Most Democrats today are talking about gun control. Yes, they want to talk about these families and how, how horrible it is and their heart goes out. Sure, that's what a decent person would do. But it's empty words if you don't have solutions. All the Democrats today, they're all talking about the same things. We need gu- Things I talked about. Gun control. Getting these guns off the streets. How did this kid get this gun legally? Why don't we have red flag laws on the books? How did he slip through the cracks? Again, these types of things are going to continue to happen unless Republicans and Democrats do a little more than what they did a week or two ago. I applaud Chris Murphy out of Connecticut. I applaud him for working with Republicans, but they didn't do enough. To me, this is just such a one sided issue. We have one side that wants to do something about it, and then we have the other side that wants to make the situation worse more guns. Most Republicans that I talk to think that more guns are the answer. Why is it that we have more guns than any other country in the world, and we have ten times more gun violence than any other country in the world? It's because we have too many guns. It's not because of people that are mentally ill. Yes, mentally ill people commit horrible crimes, but that's not why we have more gun violence than anywhere else in the country. Because we have too many guns. We have too many damn guns. We have a fixation with guns in this country. More than porn. I'm serious. Like, it's unbelievable. These people, they'll just go buy their guns. Maybe not. Maybe that was an Maybe exaggeration, not. Thomas. Uh, but <laughs> but 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 you get my point though. It's like, you know, we have the AVN Adult Expo. How many gun gun shows do we have in this country every day? It's a joke. We have we, we have gun shows all over the place here. There there was supposed to be a gun show. I think there was a gun show six days after the October one shooting here in Las Vegas. We have we, we live in a society where we, we have a fetish for our guns. These people are crazy. Guns should be used for one reason and one reason only, not for fun, to protect yourself. That's what guns were originally made for, to protect yourself, not to have fun with your guns. And that's how innocent people die. I mean, I just had, again, a conversation a few weeks ago with a friend of mine. Her sister died, Uh, tragically, 10-year-old son playing with a gun, went off, shot her in the head. We have that's another problem. We have gun owners that are not responsible with their guns, like this like the like the shooting in Connecticut. The hell are you teaching your your mentally ill son how to shoot a gun for? People are stupid. I just don't trust people. If you're a law-abiding citizen, you haven't committed a felony, you're not mentally ill, fine. Purchase guns to protect yourself. But someone walks in there like Paddock did and and you buy all these assault weapons and, and thousands of rounds of ammunition, I think that's a red flag, and I think we should probably wait on that. Before allowing an 18-year-old who, who, the day he turns 18, he walks into a store and, and, and Uvalde's shooting. The day you turn 18, you walk into a store and you, you buy a couple of assault weapons. That should raise a red flag. Sorry, it should. That's what the shooter in Uvalde did. The day he turned 18, what are you, shooting deer? Why, why does an 18-year-old need an AR-15? So I don't know, Thomas. there's Well, you know, I, I, I'm i sure
1: a lot of the country feels the way I do. I'm just I'm sensitized to it at this point. Yeah, I
2: think, I think a lot of us are getting there. You're not alone. It breaks my heart um, when I read the story of this 70-year-old grandfather who took his uh, grandkids used to have a nice day with his grandkids. Sounded like a really good man, his family, and now he's dead. And his uh, grandkids had to see their grandfather get murdered. So it's not just about one life lost. It's about the entire family that has to live with this for the rest of their lives. And it, it breaks my heart and it pisses me off, man. But, hey, Ted Cruz sent his thoughts and prayers, so I guess that's all that matters, right? Ugh, it's crazy, man. Well, there's different types of gun violence. You know, we, we talk about these, these mass shootings, and then we talk about law enforcement. And I want to get your legal expertise, Thomas, next on this, because even though we don't have all the evidence, I want to talk to you about the shooting that took place in Ohio. Young black man shot and killed multiple times. uh, And he was unarmed, at least when he was shot. So I want to get your thoughts on the legal ramifications of this. And then coming up later in hour number two, we'll talk to Warren Ligari, the creator of the NBA Summer League. uh, NBA Summer League basketball starts. This week in Las Vegas, he is attorney Thomas Moscow. I'm Brian Shapiro. I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite bars in Las Vegas. Jackson's Bar & Grill, located at Jones & Flamingo. You walk in there, you mention my name. You get $10 free slot play if you sign up for a player's card. They have great promotions going on there. They reward... There are players there all the time, and hey, once in a while, maybe you might win a little bit of money, too. I've had some luck there recently. Jackson's Barn Grill, located at Flamingo & Jones. Please check them out. Tell them I sent you. I promise you won't be disappointed. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back right after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. Welcome back. It is Pushing the Limits. On a Tuesday, we got one of the best attorneys in town, especially if you get a DUI. Thomas Moskal joining us, former uh, DA here at Clark County, getting his legal expertise, as I always do, appreciate that. And we're going to have Warren Ligari coming up at the bottom of the hour, the creator of the NBA Summer League here in Las Vegas. NBA Summer League starting Thursday. Ooh, there's a lot of trade rumors going around. I feel like this NBA Summer League... Uh, there's going to be more talk about trade rumors than actual basketball. That's my that's my personal feeling on that. But uh, going to be fun NBA summer league. So Warren will be joining us coming up here at the bottom of the hour. I want to tell you guys about one of my favorite spots in town, which is Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. If you if you're sick, if you're not feeling good, if you need to get checked up on, uh, this is the place to go. Located at 6125 West Sahara Avenue. It's interesting. Uh, Thomas could uh, you know he comes in 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 studio here today and he says, "Brian, you're looking kind of jacked up. You're looking." You're looking kind of fit today. And I said, are you messing with me? He's like, no, I'm really not. I'm like, well... These guys just started giving me a little testosterone therapy, so maybe I am turning into the Incredible Hulk. What do you think, Thomas? Do they, do they put it straight to your calf muscles? Because those calves are looking. You sound like... You're j- ready to dunk. You sound You're like... You're ready to go out there and dunk Tomahawk. <laughs> you sound like Johnny Drama in Entourage when he thought... He looked at guys' calves and he said, are those real? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> it's true, actually. Uh, but anyway, urgent primary care at yeah, Sahara West. They really have taken care of me. Please give them a call. 702 248 There's no appointment needed. They take most insurances... And if you don't have insurance, they're only going to charge you 95 bucks. Please check them out. Sahara West Urgent and Primary Care. All right, so we go from one mass shooting, you know, which is obviously a horribly tragic situation, and now we have a shooting involving law enforcement, and uh, protests have erupted. It happened in Akron, Ohio. I believe that's where LeBron's from, isn't it, if I'm not mistaken? Uh, body cam footage showing a black man shooting death that was released, and uh, we talked a little bit about it to start the show, Thomas. We just saw the video of it uh, for the first time I saw it, and you got a guy who was shot. I mean, how many times was he shot? I mean, dozens of times, right? He's continuing to be shot in a foot pursuit, unarmed, on the ground, in his last moments being alive. Anybody who watches that
1: video is going to be shocked yeah. at what they see. I mean, I get it. You know, they, they're trained to—you don't just shoot somebody and put them down. You make sure they're down, down. But, yeah. I mean, that was really— uh, a bit much it was a it was more than a bit yeah. much is it i mean i don't want to make light of it but i almost thought i was watching a comedy
2: movie it was because bad. it was i've never it seen was that. so over the top have you ever seen a sh- like that i mean I, i've seen plenty of officer involved shootings but i've never seen one like that where somebody is being fired upon but appeared to be a dozen officers maybe more he must have been shot 20 or 30 times even before he hit the ground and then he hits the ground and they continue to shoot him for what am i exaggerating another four or five seconds it, w- it might have been two seconds, but it's, it felt like
1: two minutes. Yeah. It really did. There was a lot.
2: Have you ever seen anything like that? I've never seen anything like
1: that. I've never seen anything like that. Yeah. The thing that was the most troubling about it is, you know, officers are trained to know what their backdrop is. So you don't t- – you don't open. so when they shot somebody on the strip a couple years ago, they had to make sure, like, is there a solid wall or structure behind him before we unleash any shots? Because you're going to miss. And when you miss, where are those bullets going? There's innocent bystanders. There is There's, there's – property behind there and you have to know that and when I watched that video I was like there was no calculation of any of that yeah it was just a reactionary
2: uh, display of aggression I mean I well here's the stats uh I hate to use the term stats like it's some sort of basketball game or baseball game but uh there were eight cops that shot over 90 bullets shooting him wait for this at least 60 times this man was shot 60 times unarmed okay in his face his body and his legs something else interesting he's never been arrested in his life usually somebody takes out a gun and allegedly fires at cops usually they have some sort of record here's what i find interesting and I, maybe I shouldn't use the term interesting, Thomas. Police have released the body cam footage. They kind of had to. There's been protests and, and a lot of things going on in Akron. Police are claiming that they found a gun in his car, legally, he, that he legally owned a gun. Why did he not bring the gun with him as he fled the scene? I, uh, fled the, the, Interesting there. Secondly, they're claiming that he fired at police. My question is, if you fired at police officers from his car, why didn't he bring the gun with him when he, when he
1: left? But you go on, you watch that footage. Why do you feel they needed to release that footage? I mean, because there's right? protests. Yeah. I mean, yeah. what is releasing that footage going to do to quell any kind of
2: protests or violence that you think might erupt in the city? The footage uh, was horrendous. Another thing about Jalen Walker, that's his name. Uh, he was a standout high school wrestler. He had an honest job. He was a DoorDash driver. 25 years old, aspirations to start his own business. He was only 25 years old. Again, no police record. Now, regardless of all what I just said, if in fact he shot at cops, to me that's a game changer. You can still say maybe it's not justified to shoot him that many times, especially when he's on the ground. But that's a game changer for me. If you shoot at a police officer, that is a death wish and I don't feel sorry for anything that happens to you. Well, if you're talking about a death wish, it's a little bit of a death
1: wish to run, run away. From police. I yeah. mean, Very literally literally
2: for your own safety, comply. Agree. Agree. Comply. A- 150%. It's important that we say that. I agree with you. You should always comply with police officers. I'm not saying non-compliance justifies what happened. Correct. We agree. But I'm just saying, yeah.
1: if if I'm talking to my own son or a mm-hmm. friend of mine, say, look, The police are surrounding your vehicle. They're screaming. They got their guns out. Jumping out the passenger seat Mm -hmm. and starting to go for a run is not the safe way to proceed.
2: By the way, uh, seven of the eight police officers were white. After he was shot 60 times, police officers put his hands behind his back and put handcuffs on him after being shot 60 times. Why is that important? I understand they have a job to do. But when the dude is shot 60 times, it's interesting. But you're absolutely right. In most of these officer-involved shootings, usually— Did they read him as rights, too? Yeah. yeah, I wonder if they did. Yeah. Good point. But in most of these officer-involved shootings, the suspect is not complying. Like you said, eloquently stated, it doesn't justify deadly force if deadly force is—like I said, if it's not justified. But he didn't comply. He did something very, very stupid. It is interesting because I see these memes out now, and we have this 25-year-old that allegedly committed a traffic violation, by the way. That's why they pulled him over, a traffic violation. He attempted to flee. He was shot 60 times. We have this 22-year-old who just massacred six people and shot 30 others, attempted to uh, flee from a traffic stop uh, after this shooting, this mass shooting that took place uh, that we were just talking about. He was taken into custody without incident. This is why black people, some of them, have a problem with law enforcement today. Yeah, I get it. I why get it. is it? Why is it that this this animal that killed six people and shot 30 people who tried to flee police, he was handcuffed. He didn't comply. But this guy that was pulled over by a traffic stop. Now, I've heard that this uh, young man, who, 25-year-old, who was pulled over for a traffic spot, he had just lost his fiancée. I heard somebody say that. I don't know if that's true or not. Again... Why have we not seen body camera or video evidence of him shooting at officers? He was in pursuit. Where's the evidence? All I've seen was a uh, police officers alleging that there were shell casings near where his car was. I'm not going to believe that. Show me. I want to see the evidence. I want to see video. If they don't show video of him shooting at officers, I am going to call those officers liars. I don't believe it. Help me out here. They released video. They they, they, re, they released video of him being shot and killed, officers claiming that he shot at them. Why have they not released that video? I mean, you tell me. Does that no, make, You're a defense it, attorney. It, you it tell do, me. It
1: doesn't make any sense to release the video that they did, like I said. Right. If you're trying to allay the public concern – The release of that video does not in any way do that. Mm -hmm. Like, here in Las Vegas, there's an immediate investigation. Now, you're not going to be releasing body cam footage and everything the day of because there is going to be an investigation by the DA's office that's going to take a week or two. It's expedited. And then there's a full public hearing, and they lay out everything that was leading up to that shooting. But. Not every jurisdiction does that. That's the way the FBI wants our jurisdictions to operate because we want the public to have some transparency to Re- what happens. Release everything.
2: Release yeah. all the video you now, have. They now it might that. take
1: a week or so. Yeah, but what you have is police departments here, you know, somebody made a decision to release that video, and it was it's it's craziness to to release that video and not release the yeah. rest. Very you, strange. Either hold
2: it all back or release it all. I agree. Very strange that. Um I don't know why he tried to. Flee I mean, they police. did. So they have placed
1: those officers on administrative leave, which is in every case they do that. It, it yeah. is, but, but you know, you say, "Here's the video. Look, yeah. we are taking actions. These guys, these these cops, are off the streets." But why, man? Why? I could see a DA really pursuing some uh, some criminal charges. The question to
2: me is, did this person shoot at cops? Uh, if he did, then I don't. Uh, it's it's tough to watch, but that change. That's a game changer for me. Uh, You could still question the shots that were fired, how many were were fired at police. You could still question all that, and it could be looked into. But if you're dumb enough to take out a gun and fire one bullet at a police officer, then you probably don't deserve to live. That's just my personal opinion. But I do find this interesting, though. Remember Dylan Roof? He's the guy who went into that church, killed a bunch of innocent black people, and then within an hour after they arrested him – in fact, I think it was like five, ten minutes – they asked him if he was hungry, and they bought him Burger King – Uh, not hurt do we remember james holmes he's the one who killed 12 people in that colorado movie theater unharmed they brought him into custody not a scrape on him what about robert long he you know this is a guy who killed eight people nothing happened to him and then peyton uh, gendron he's the 18 year old uh who killed a bunch of people and nothing happened to him zero bullets all these people Not one police officer. Those four names that I just mentioned, all white, by the way. Not one police officer fired one bullet at them. Not one. Killing nine, killing 12, killing eight, killing 10. Not one bullet was fired at them. But this young man didn't kill anybody. Now, again, I go back to what I said earlier. If you fired a bullet at police, that changes things. But let me ask you this as a defense attorney. From the evidence that you know right now, they released the camera footage of this kid being executed unarmed, 25 years old. All we've seen is a still image of what uh, looks like, I don't know if this is true, looks like it could be a flash coming out of his car, but we have no video. Don't you think with all these riots, I don't want to use the term riots, protests that are going on in Akron, Ohio, don't you think if they had video evidence of this young man allegedly firing a weapon at cops, they would have released it by now. In fact, that's probably the first thing they would have released.
1: I would think so. That would have been the smart, smart move to make. I mean, you don't leave us on a cliffhanger with something like that.
2: Exactly. Do you remember, Thomas, the, the black female who had a knife and was attempting to stab another teenager, and the cop shot her and killed her? Rightfully so. They released that video immediately. Immediately they released that video. Do you remember? Because the officer was justified. Isn't it interesting that when the officer is justified, all that evidence seems to come out so fast. But then in a situation like this, we're going to release, release the body camera footage of, of him, of us shooting him. But we're not going to release the video of him shooting at us, even though we allege that's what took place. I find that very interesting. But we see it time and time again. Jorge Gomez in Las Vegas. I spoke to his family. I spoke to his mother. Jorge Gomez did something very stupid. He's the person that was shot and killed by a Metro police officer in front of the uh, court building downtown during a Black Lives Matter protest. That was the same night that Shane Nicolaitis was shot in the neck, if you recall, and was paralyzed. This was in front of the federal courthouse. We have yet to see any video of him pointing a weapon at an officer. In fact, the only video we've seen is him running away from an officer. He was armed, but we see him running away from an officer, shot and killed. Oh, well, he pointed a weapon at us. Oh, really? How come you haven't released that body camera footage? There were 10 officers down there. He was right in front of the federal courthouse. Bill, I'll tell you why. Because that officer murdered him. That's why. Um, This is why we lose trust sometimes in police. I think the overwhelming majority of police officers, good people, heroes there are some bad cops out there. I want to see that video of this young man shooting at police. If I don't see that video, then I believe they're lying. Am I wrong in, in thinking that way? No, not at all. It makes no sense for them not to release the video. So
1: it must not exist. They said they found shell casings. You assume it doesn't exist until they show it. Yeah.
2: They said they found shell casings. Let's... uh. Let's get to the phone lines. I'll open it up here, 702-221-7283. Again, that number to call if you want to be a part of the conversation is 221-7283. Let's go to John. John, what's going on, my man?
4: Hey, man. I got a question for Thomas, and a, uh, a suggestion for you, Brian, that's going to make your radio program the number one radio program in the country.
2: Oh, well, I can't wait to hear it. I thought we were already number one. Oh, geez, all right, now got to work on that. I'm sorry, go ahead.
4: Among intelligent people, you are, definitely. <laughs> I appreciate that. Hey, Thomas, can you please explain to the audience uh, if police officers have even one scintilla of extra uh, authority or right to use deadly force more than me or you, than the average Joe civilian?
1: Well, uh, you know, that's that's not the most clear-cut answer in the world, uh, when they can go deadly force. I mean— What it really requires is that they have to be in fear of their own life. Exactly. But there's, but you know, I had a guy that was training prosecutors a long time ago, and he was a law enforcement guy, and he disagreed with the law. He said, Look, it's just, it's not a subjective uh, belief of, hey, I'm in fear of my own life. It's objective belief. Would someone be in fear of their own life or fear that others may be in danger and prosecutors jumped up and down they said no 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 the legal analysis is the person must subjectively believe that they're in danger and the guy goes no let me let me put it to you like this all right i'm out there a guy's shooting at me round after round after round and i say you know what (laughs) this idiot can't shoot i'm not worried about him shooting me (laughs) and then i still go ahead and take a shot and i take him down would that be justified? And that always rang true in my mind when he said that. I go, Yeah, you know, the when you get to court, there's like this textbook legal analysis. But what it comes down to is that instructor, he was correct. You know, if an officer's out there, just because he's not in fear of his life, doesn't mean that he can't use deadly force. Mm-hmm. And and so it's it's really a gray area when it comes down to it. I think the law is it's written on the books and actually how it would be applied in a practical situation is a little bit different. Uh, but but,
4: but yeah. that's, the, that's the standard for the police officer, and would you say that same standard applies for civilians?
1: You know, honestly, I think it would. You know, Yes,
4: that's my point. They don't have any superpowers. They have the exact same ability to use deadly forces as, as me, John Q, public civilian, does. So, you know, this, this notion that cops have this superpower, the only superpower they have is when they ask you to stop, you have to stop. That's pretty much it. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's my main point. They, they don't have any superpower. They don't have any ability yeah, to use deadly force.
1: Their superpower is their, they have a lot more discretion to physically put you into detention and in custody. And so when they're trying to do that and you're resisting, they right. have more ability to do that than an average citizen. So
2: you're and, correct. And right. I want to add this real quickly. You know, I just saw a video that uh, police, I guess, have released, but it's not dash cam video. It's a video from, uh, it looks like, high above where the police chase took place, where allegedly a shot was fired. I just saw it. You see some sort of spark coming out of his uh, vehicle. But to me, again, to me, watching that video, that's not foolproof evidence that a shot was fired. Why have we not seen the dash cam video? Why don't you just assume it's a gunshot? I mean, I mean. Does that change everything for you? I mean, I, I, I don't. I, I watched the video, and to me, that video does not overwhelmingly show that he shot at police. Am I wrong? No, but if you assume that's a gunshot,
1: does that change it for you?
2: Well, cops can't assume uh, that. That's the problem. I'm I'm not somebody that's pursuing somebody, and I don't have a gun, and I don't, you know. So I I don't think you can assume that somebody is doing that. I I see this video from distance afar, and again, it goes me back to my immediate question, which is. There's dash cam video. The cop that he allegedly shot at has dash cam video. Why have they not released it? Anyway, we'll continue. But I'm sorry, John, you, you wanted to add something else? Go ahead.
4: Hey, I've told you this several times, Brian. I, I'm an old fart, and, and <laughs> I was, a, I was a, a youngster, really youngster, during the 60s. But I believe we're about to relive the 60s, and I believe we're about to see a string of assassinations. Yeah, and you're a Howard Stern fan. Remember, Howard used to have the death pool when he would. Uh, everybody would put a name in the hat of who, which celebrity they thought would die. Be, be it from old age or drugs or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think you should do a, polit- a political polls No, I can't,
2: polls. I can't do that. No, I know I
4: can't you can, but I can't, but it would be great, and it's going to happen, okay. and, it, and it would be tremendous. You'd, you'd catch a lot of heat, and it'd be a big firestorm, but ultimately I think it'd be proven uh, right. if
2: you get a poll of who you think is going to die of natural causes, I don't have a problem doing that. I don't wish it to happen upon anybody. Well, um, there might be a few that I wouldn't feel, you know. I'll put it that way, but no, I'm not going to condone any type of <laughs> any type of violence or anything that along. Who's going to get assassinated first, pool? Yeah, I don't think I would ever. <laughs> get it. I
4: th- Coming, America's burning, fellas. Well, it's I hope
2: you're. I hope. I hope. I hope you're wrong about that, John. But um, put it this way, I appreciate the call, John. There are certain people in our society, politicians or otherwise, where if something terrible happened to them, well, I wouldn't root upon it. I wouldn't feel sorry for them. When Rush Limbaugh passed away. Um, I was like, "Good riddance." Didn't wish him to have cancer. I didn't wish him to die. But when he did die, I said to myself, "The world is a better place without a scumbag like that, whether he's on the air or not." People that endorse hatred and racism, homophobia, all the things that he did on the radio every day. Listen, was he a talented guy? Obviously, uh, one of the uh, pioneer of radio talk radio. He started the conservative movement. Uh, When it comes to talk radio, nobody can take that away from the guy. But for Donald Trump to give this guy an award, you know, there's certain people in society where something bad does happen to them. I just shake my head and I say, you know, don't feel sorry at all. I think I think I don't think it makes you a bad person to think like that. I'm not wishing death upon anybody. Right. But at the same time, when something does, in my opinion, something uh, bad happens to a bad person, I don't feel sorry for them. You know, I mean, I don't know. That's just the way I've always been. Does that make me wrong? I, I, I don't know. But going back to this case, you just saw the video. To me, that is not overwhelming evidence that he fired his weapon. Uh, Well, you may
1: never get overwhelming evidence. Look, when you go into a court of law and you take something to a trial, a lot of stuff is proven through eyewitness testimony. That dash cam that you usually receive is not of the best quality. I'm going to tell you what, even the body cam, these guys aren't Steven Spielberg out there pointing the, the camera right at the right situation. Everything always seems to occur a little bit off camera. And it's not by design that way. It's not that they consciously did that, but they're not concentrating on where their cameras pointed. So let's say there's never a a conclusive camera angle and you got a bunch of witnesses saying, yes, that little flash that you're seeing on that, we know it was a gunshot because we were there. We heard it. And guess what? We found some shell casings in the car and there was a firearm in the car. Mm -hmm. And so at that point, you have to say, well, have they proven that that was more, more than likely than not a gunshot that got fired? You know, I would say if you find shell casings, the firearm, you got the flash on the thing, and you got a bunch of witnesses saying there was a fire that he fired a shot, then sure, he probably I, did. Yeah,
2: and if he did and if he did fire a shot, as I said before, and I'll say again, then that changes a lot for me. I don't think it still justifies shooting somebody sixty times. Uh if somebody fires a shot at police, um I asked I asked this question. I think it's a fair one. Well, let's take it a little, little
1: if it was one cop. And he unloaded his one singular clip into that guy. Mm-hmm. Boom, boom, boom. I see I put him down. I'm still firing. Right. Because what happens in the video, what you're seeing is when he's running from the car, they think he has a firearm. In their mind, he could possibly have a firearm. Most likely does. He's already fired a shot. When he turns back towards them, even though he might be just be turning back to go, all right, I'm going to give up right now. They're thinking when he turns back, oh he's turning back possibly with a firearm and they fire and everyone really gets up in arms and it is hard to watch when they continue to fire but all the cops are on the same thing of look we're not just firing one time we're firing to make sure he's incapacitated. Right. And then, even when he hits the ground, you're like, you're continuing to fire. But just because somebody hits the ground doesn't mean they're incapacitated. And there's tons and tons of situations where you see someone get shot. If you remember Terminator 1, adrenaline's go, going. Yeah, I adrenaline, that. he could be on methamphetamine. There's things. One shot does not necessarily put a person down. And no even question. if they go down, it doesn't mean if they have a gun in their hand, they can't shoot. No question. It looks like overkill. Mm-hmm. But at the moment, all eight of those cops were all unle- unleashing their. The maximum capacity of their rounds, that's why those, That's why there was so much there. Yep. Um, and the fact that they went and handcuffed him after the fact, they still possibly considered him a threat. It's hard to get into the minds of what was going on there. It's a hard video to watch. But these police officers, when you're out there, you're trained to incapacitate somebody. And one shot from a 9 millimeter or whatever you're carrying as a handgun... He's not necessarily going to put somebody down. or.
2: Understood that. that, that that's, I think we can meet on both sides there. You're right. And they're trying to shoot center mass to end the threat. Uh, it is a little strange when somebody is shot 60 times, and uh, I would imagine he was pretty dead shot 60 times and they're still handcuffing him that's a little strange and i think a lot of people ask the question how would they have handled that if he was white well, well yeah well that's the obvious question but there's also this at the heat of the moment do you
1: know you shot that guy 60 yep. times i'll tell you there's a story here in vegas there was two cops married couple husband and wife they hear a noise downstairs they come downstairs they both have their handguns these are trained police officers they hear a noise in the kitchen they see a, they see a silhouette they open up they un- yep. they they let all their rounds out of the, out of their magazines mm. they turn on the lights it's one of their moms, stepmom. Mm. Point blank range, they had missed every single shot. Wow. So just because you uh, they yeah. fired 90 shots, he shot 60 times. They don't know how many times he's been shot, honestly. I would think once they walk up on him and they see his face is shot to hell and they're handcuffing him, well, yeah. uh you're right. It's a bad look, you know. It is a
2: bad look. And I wouldn't be surprised if these guys get we're, prosecuted for it. We're going to have to, you know, wait and get a little bit more information. Like I said, if if he, if he shot a weapon, at, uh, his weapon at officers, that changes things for me. Uh, but uh, I want more information to come out. All right. We're going to have to take a quick break. And when we come back, the creator of the Las Vegas NBA Summer League, longtime NBA agent, still is an NBA agent, Warren Ligari will be joining us next. Take a quick break. Be back after this. You're listening to Pushing the Limits right here on KSHP. All right, welcome back. Pushing the Limits on a Tuesday. So glad you could join us. we got Thomas Moskal, attorney here, joining us in studio as well. And, uh, wow, NBA Summer League. This week, starting up, I always love it. Uh, Great hoops, great people. Uh, You get to, uh, you know, hang around some of the biggest names in basketball coaches, players. I mean, we've had LeBron James courtside last year, and, you know, it's a normal thing for NBA Summer League. And the guy joining us right now on the line is a modest guy, but he's the guy that's really responsible for, for getting the NBA Summer League here. That would be longtime NBA agent, Warren Ligari, joining us. Warren, it's a pleasure having you on. How are you? Hey, guys,
5: it wouldn't be Summer League without our initial
2: interview. You know that? I, <laughs> I,
5: I, I would feel lost if we didn't start off talking, Brian.
2: That's right, Warren. It's always fun to talk with you every year, and, and uh, you guys do such a wonderful job. And, and uh, you know, it's amazing, isn't it, Warren? You're reflecting back to the 2004 All Star Weekend where uh, you have, I a, 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 a guess, a, an unplanned meeting, right, with David Stern, and you share with him the idea of bringing the NBA Summer League to Vegas. Did you ever think now we'd be at where we're at right now in 2004?
5: Well, I'm supposed to say, yes, I really knew all these things, but I had no clue. Come on. Nobody knows. All you do is keep your head down, work your ass off, hope that what you're doing makes sense to people. Make sure you listen more than you talk. So you're always trying to figure out what people want. And make sure you give them what they want, because that's what brings them back. You know, so that's what we think we've, we've used as our formula, and it seems to have been working.
2: No question. I mean, you look at the people that have rolled through Vegas in the summer league. Like I think of Steph Curry, right? I think of Kevin Durant. I mean, the list goes on and on and on of the great players you get to up close and personal. And, and you've got, of course... Russell Westbrook. Yeah, there's I mean, another look, one.
5: No matter, I mean, no matter what, when, when you look uh, at the All-Star, this past All-Star game...
2: 90% were here. It started incredible. here. Yeah, it's unbelievable. And, you know, several years back, you start uh, you know two games at, at one time where you got one game at Cox Pavilion and another game at the Thomas Mac. Obviously, that's worked out great. You could be watching one game and say, hey, let's go check out the Lakers in the other gymnasium. Uh, tell me a little bit about this year. Obviously, last year you still had some COVID restrictions. Uh, obviously, a lot of those restrictions have been lifted. Can you talk a little bit about this year and how are ticket sales? Oh, yeah.
5: You know what we've we've seemed to have really riveted in, and we're we're ahead of last year, which is important because last year was a tough year. We had the whole you know the COVID handcuffs on. Uh, this year we've been liberated, and we're acting pre-COVID. We're back making you know making a rock and roll. You've got all kinds of events going on. We're making this a place that people not only need to be at but want to be at. That's the key: making people want to be here. Anything- and so we think we're we. We think we're back.
2: Anything different this year, as opposed to in years past, that you've added or changed at all? You know, they're going to chew that new
5: rule about where you know when when guys are on fast breaks and you stop it with a foul. They're going to they're going to add that, so that's something for the fans to look at. It's something that they're looking to um, you know to institute in next year's NBA games. Um, As far as the stuff here, you know, we've got a we got a shoe lab this year that is going to be remarkable. It's where you bring your own shoes or buy some shoes. And they'll go ahead and trick them out and do the, and, and basically make the shoe to your to your personality, to your yeah. liking, or anything else. Mm-hmm. So we've got that. We've got uh, we have a doctor who's going to do an on lab. We're not going to use a live body, but we're going to use this, you know, where they can see some of you know a lot of our, the NBA, a lot of it revolves around who's injured, and who's not. Now you can see one, when they go and have their injuries, the uh, what the med, you know, the, what the doctors do to try to get them back on the court as as quick as possible.
2: I love it. So, yep.
5: yeah, And by the way, there are more games on ESPN. So if you want to be on TV, this is the place to be because they're all national games. We have, we've, I think we've added four additional ESPN games this year. Wow, that yeah, so yeah, that's we, awesome. We, we, so that means if you, if you want to be seen, here's a place to be seen.
2: You know, one of the great things about the Summer League, besides the great basketball, Warren, and the great people, is you get to, you know, rub shoulders with some of the best. I remember, I always remember this, Warren. I got a chance to shake Jerry Sloan's hand, and I spoke with him for a few minutes. Uh, the late, great Flip Saunders, I had a chance to meet him. I, I met Magic Johnson a few years ago and spoke with him. You know, and you don't have to be a member of the media to, to really get up close and personal with some of these people. They're walking around everywhere. Isn't that to, yeah. me, that, to me, that's so cool about the NBA Summer League, you know?
5: You know, one of the things that people know, this is not all-star, this is not, this is a fun, easy, casual, hey, what's happening in place? And that's the thing that we've always, we've worked our tails off at making sure that the teams coming in feel that way. Yeah, we want this to be an NBA experience, but we don't want where it is so restrictive that nobody ever feels like they can be part of the event. So that's the one nice thing about Summer League, especially for the price point coming in. Mm -hmm. You can't find a better value anywhere where you're literally next to, on top of, looking at, walking by, people that you only read about, hear about, see on the news, and they're right there in your face.
2: Yeah, yeah, no question about that. If you're just joining us, uh, really the creator of NBA Summer League here in Las Vegas, the man behind it is Warren Legari, longtime NBA agent. Warren, I know that. Don't you...
5: forget Albert Hall. Don't forget Albert Hall. He's the brains of the outfit. I spoke okay?
2: with. Do not forget Albert. Well, I spoke with Albert yesterday, and he said text Warren. So you know that's why I'm just mentioning your name today. <laughs> but no, Albert's... listen, Albert's a great guy. He's a great guy. Albert's you guys... grinding
5: over here like he's grinding like crazy over here. <laughs> Nobody works harder than my Albert. Okay, no
2: question. <laughs> you two guys work great together, and you guys know so many people and. And, and and you're so good at what you do. No, Albert's awesome as well. So, Warren, since you're uh, still an NBA agent to plenty of coaches out there, I have to ask you a little bit. Did you represent? Do you represent Quinn Snyder? I do. What did you make of that whole situation in Utah? Is there anything you could say about that? You know, it, it was just
5: time. You know, eight years is like when you talk dog years. It's a lot of years. Yeah. And you're with the same team three years in a row, the same um, basically the same lineup, and there comes a point where you I mean if you really feel this game you have a passion for the game it takes a toll on you mentally it, it can really Understood. grind you and and you yeah. know you're dealing constantly with you know with en- injuries and stuff and expectations and sometimes 8 years feels like 800 years
2: makes sense what and you're just, saying makes complete and sometimes, sense
5: yep and sometimes you just need a change yeah. There there, were, there was no issue about our contract, anything else. They were willing to move forward and, and do additional. But it was a thing that Quinn will not cheat people. He will not cheat his effort. And he was unsure that he could give the same effort because of the amount of time that he invested yeah. as much emotionally as he did physically.
2: I understand that. I mean, I've heard, I'm an outsider looking in, I heard that Rudy Gobert, maybe not the easiest guy to coach. I mean, is there any truth to that at all, you think?
5: No, no, it wasn't about the players themselves. It was about the job. No matter what, nobody realizes how tough an NBA head coach job. How many, not only personalities you have to manage, but also between management, fans, season ticket, everybody wants a piece of you. No question. And there yeah. is only so many pieces to you mm-hmm. before ultimately you say, you know what, I need to take a step back. Sure. And that's where he's at. That and makes sense. No matter yeah. what. And, and by the way, nobody even recognizes the toll it takes on their families. Oh, yeah. The amount of time that you're away. You know, in, in, in other professions, they have a year called a sabbatical, where you have a chance to sort of grow, go find another interest, whatever it is. College professors do it. In professional lives, people take a year off just to try to find something new about themselves. Why can't NBA coaches take a sabbatical?
2: I agree. And by I'm the not way, taking a year off. Oh, you're
5: right. You got to grow. You, you're right. It's got to be a sabbatical. If you're you eight grow.
2: years, if you're eight years at one organization, you had to have done something right. I think we all could agree yes. on that. And yes. obviously, yes. Quinn yes. Snyder. Yes. Obviously, Quinn Snyder won a lot of games. Well, There's no and, question. And, get, and don't forget, they wanted him to move forward. They weren't looking to replace him. Mm-hmm. No
5: understood. So uh, it was a, yeah. so it was a question whether Quinn could give the same kind of commitment that he had been used to giving and he's the kind of guy who's not going to cheat anybody.
2: He'll he'll land a job somewhere else, right? It's just a matter of time. I don't don't doubt that for a second. Yeah, I I don't doubt it either. He's a good guy, good coach, and he'll be just fine. All right, Warren, I know you don't represent players anymore. I still have to ask you this question. What do you make of Uh the Lakers situation, the Kyrie Irving situation, the Kevin Durant situation in Brooklyn? Where do you think they're going to land, if you can speculate at all? And what do you make of all these trade rumors? I mean, there's so many trade rumors going around right now.
5: All I remember is once upon a time, we were all talking about baseball this time of the year. Ever since Summer League came in and all we never talked. We seem to be still talking about basketball all the way up until when when the uh, preseason starts, okay? That's all I know. This is the most fun that anybody has. Everybody is a GM when you get on the internet. Everybody has an opinion. Everybody has their own feelings. That's what makes this so unbelievably wonderful, this whole experience. You come to Summer League, by the way, you see these guys, you know, before they become these great players. So now you have a little sense of their psychology, who they were, because that also factors in all this stuff. Right. But the one thing that I can tell you, if anybody says they know where anybody's going, just go ask those Vegas guys where they were who was going to be the number one pick in the draft. Nobody knew. That's They're true. all were guessing. That's true. So this is all and by the way, no matter what, it's going to have to fit what Brooklyn wants. No question. They're the ones yep. and, and that's where it comes down to. Mm-hmm. So at this point Every, it's a, I, so I can't be an expert on the Lakers situation and I can't be a, an expert on Brooklyn because only they know internally what they're after and how much they're willing to either take or how much they're willing to give. Yeah. So, but yeah. That's, that's what makes waking up every morning so much fun in the NBA world. As you never know.
2: No question, I agree with you, Warren. Can you give me somebody you represent? Maybe an assistant coach. Maybe somebody that's not a household name that you think is an up and comer that is going to be an uh, an unbelievably great head coach one day. Like who? Could, who could you tell us? Give us a name.
5: You know, I, I can tell you, there's a young coach up in Detroit. They have a really good pick. There. In fact, they're bringing their whole team. Their number one pick from last year is going to play here. They've been, so they're bringing their new. So there's a young kid named Jerome Allen who is going to be sensational. Who has a long history of play as a player, was overseas, played in the NBA, was a head coach at Penn, and now has been worked in Boston mm-hmm. under Brad Stevens, and now is working for Dwayne Casey. He has a real, mm-hmm. real, real strong champ. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, there's I could name all my kids who are going to grow up to be beautiful, and successful, but then other kids will get mad at me. But but he's one that really stands out,
2: okay? Fair enough, fair enough. Um, You know, another great thing about the NBA Summer League is, you know, this isn't only just about players and coaches. It's also about officials. There's a lot of great officials in the NBA that got their start, uh, you know, their big start by by doing NBA Summer League games. And, you know, you see a guy like a Joey Crawford walking around. I took a picture with Joey Crawford a few years back. I said, can you give me a tee? I took that picture. I held on to (laughs) it.
5: And Bennett Salvador, they're they're the greatest – teaching duo there is they love the game they believe in the game they know that refereeing no matter what people say refereeing is an essential part of a of a of a a basketball game you don't have these guys it's organized chaos or unorganized chaos it's just pure chaos and these guys have done a great job They, they, they some of the younger officials out there you can see they have rapport with the players they don't come across as dictatorial they actually interact And you can see the game is in great hands right now. It really is with these young refs. Mm -hmm. Because, first of all, they love the game, too. When we're out here at summer, they're doing all our events. They're going to every. They love to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. They don't separate themselves, detach themselves. They want to be a part of everything because it's an overall experience. But that's the kind of mentality you have if you're going to be a successful ref. You can't just be by the book. You've got to feel the game.
2: You know, I, and again, I'm not exaggerating here. It's positives for everybody. It's positive for the fans for obvious reasons. Reasonable prices to watch some great basketball and meet some, some pretty pretty great players and coaches. It's great for the coaches and the organizations. They get a look at some of these younger sure. guys and what they can do. It's great for the officials. Training. Yeah. I mean, this is great for everybody. And for sure. the, for a basketball fan, right, there's no basketball going on right now after the NBA uh, finals. This is an opportunity to watch some no, there's live a basketball. De, there's a de,
5: no, there's the WNBA. Let's That's not forget there. There, okay. That is that there's is true. Game. We, we have the Las Vegas Aces,
2: that is very fair. I covered the Aces. Okay. In fact, I'm going to their game tomorrow. So, thank you for correcting right, me there.
5: Good. All right. <laughs> However, but here's the one thing that Summer League does. It breaks down the walls. That's the thing that we love about it. Referees can talk to coaches. They can talk to GMs. GMs can talk to the referees, to the coaches. Okay. It's an interaction. No matter what, the more people are removed from each other, they get these sort of you know, sometimes unjustified feelings about that person because they don't know the person as a person. Right. And that's the thing that we love about Summer League. The interactions here allow people to be people here, first and foremost. Now, how much that helps in the future, but it's a lot harder to yell, uh, to lie to a guy if you've been eyeballing him all summer, hanging out with him, breaking bread, having a drink with him, whatever it is. We think that that is a big part of breaking down the walls. The other thing, it also is a really important thing for a lot of our fans Most of them can't afford a real NBA game. Mm -hmm. So we're not promising we're giving you an NBA game for the price point. But the one thing that we will guarantee is that you're going to enjoy an NBA experience. We're as close to an NBA game as you're going to find. All the bells and whistles, all the details, everything we do reflects an NBA atmosphere. And that's the one. And the most important thing is the players, legit. No question. If, but but what, 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 uh, For our 20th year, what we're going to do an analytics of how many of the players participated in Summer League and ended up on an NBA roster at one time in their careers. And I guarantee you, we're going to be probably in the neighborhood of 40%. I wouldn't be surprised. That's astonishing. That's
2: an astonishing an stat. Yeah. And I wouldn't be surprised if it was even a little bit higher than that. No question. I, I,
5: I'm, I'm tr- always going to err on caution. I'm going to be that side, okay? But <laughs> I truly believe that because of all the kids we see in the league now. They're all here. Yeah. So don't miss that opportunity, people, to be a part of that.
2: I think one of my best moments of NBA Summer League, and Warren remembers this, is when they had their uh, yearly ping-pong tournament, and Daryl Morey (laughs) Morey was kicking everybody's ass, the former general manager of the Houston Rockets, and I I embarrassed him, and I think Daryl Morey stopped coming because of me. Do you think that's true, Warren? He's,
5: uh, He's actually bringing a world champion, Chess player this year, serious He's already put away the paddle. So, <laughs> but, but we literally have the world champion chess player from the U.S. is going to be here uh, this coming week, next week rather, on the thirteenth. Oh, that's
2: cool. I was going to so, ask. I was going to ask yeah. you too. Any? Do you think LeBron will be here? Do you, can you give us any information? Any big names? You know, that we,
5: might... we're we're not we're not kept off who's here. All we know is this is their home. This is where most of them start. This is they know they get the chance to see their team, see their teammates, whatever it's kids. It's, it's the birds, you know, Capistrano always coming back home.
3: Yep. No, you no can
5: question. fly everywhere you want, but you always go back to Capistrano. So yep. Summer League is where the birds return. Yep. So we know we're going to get a ton of veteran players uh, coming here. Iguadala's going to be here. He's yep. going to be doing a live TV, I mean a live radio show here with, with Elson Turner. So we know they're going to be here. Oh, that's but cool. there's going to be a ton of guys because this is also a hangout for them yep. to be with their contemporaries, with their guys. And that's yep. the one thing I'm going to probably stretch this a little bit. I know it's a hard atmosphere for players to come back to Vegas because there isn't a lot to offer, but
2: they seem to find a way of still making themselves.
5: <laughs>
2: yeah, what do you enjoy?
5: What you know that experience? What do you okay. make of LeBron,
2: Warren? What do you make of LeBron saying that you know when he retires he wants to own a team in Vegas? What do you make of that?
5: When has he not ever done what he said he was going to do? That's the only thing I can say. This guy, this guy is, is, is something remarkably unique. There, I mean, will we ever see another you know, LeBron in our lifetime? I doubt it. But he's, he's somebody, if you look at where his humble beginnings are and where he's at in his life and how many positive ways he affects people's lives, how much better he makes the world, it's it's, it's, I mean, this is Mother Teresa coming back to life, in my opinion, okay?
2: It'd be great for Vegas, and we know how LeBron loves Vegas. Uh, Oh, look, that I can't say.
5: All I know is who bets against LeBron is ultimately a loser.
2: I, I tend say. to agree, and I'm going to tend to bet on you, Warren. That this year, just like every other year in no. Vegas, is always successful. Uh, you know how much no. I respect and appreciate you and Albert and what you guys have been able no. to accomplish here. It's so much fun. I can't wait. Thursday, it all starts. All right. It's going to be a week and a half. Uh, just give people the information real quickly, Warren. How do we get tickets?
5: Well, you go online, and it's the it's the, the NBA. You know the NBA app you'll be able to get tickets on there and through loss uh, through, uh, UNLV. So that's the place to get your tickets.
2: Yep. I also remind like
5: always, everything's online.
2: I also quickly just remind people, Kevin Kruger got one of his first coaching, uh, opportunities as an assistant coach in the NBA summer league. He's now the head coach of UNLV. So the Kevin Kruger and his father, there you, go. There you go. Yep. So Warren, there you go. Warren, Warren, I, right there. Warren, I can't wait to see you this week. Uh, I know how busy you All are. Right. I always try to say a quick hello, uh, but, uh, Warren, you're the best. I always appreciate it when you take the time to come on, look forward and, to, and thank uh, Summer league,
5: and thank you for always making time for us to be able to uh, to talk about the league. Thank Absolutely. you very much,
2: Brian. Thanks, Warren. Take care, buddy. Appreciate right. you. Uh, lucky to always call Warren a friend. Great guy, brilliant guy, incredible agent, and what he and Albert have accomplished uh in this summer league is it's unbelievable he's right it's got the feel of an of a real nba game and there's two games going on at once almost all the time they got the games at cox pavilion they got the games in the thomas and Mack center so you got four well, teams. i would
1: say what he said is true where it's it's not the feel of an nba game but yeah. it's access to the nba players talent coaches even the guys who are coming in the stands you see some of those superstars but it doesn't have that restrictive feel. It's like a high school gym kind of atmosphere. I mean, you're right there on the court. And right it's there. nice, man. Yeah. It's really nice. It is.
2: I remember the Lakers were playing last year and LeBron rolls in and he's sitting courtside with Liz cam beige and they're watching the game. Uh, Mitchell from the Jazz, uh, I see him courtside. I mean, for the most part, it gives all these players, maybe some of them who are married, an excuse to come out to Vegas with their boys Ooh. and watch watch a little hoops. I'm not saying they're cheating on their wives. I'm just saying gives them an opportunity to maybe to, to come out here for a week. Hey, I'm going to watch my Summer League team play. Yeah, and then, you know us
1: guys, we have to have a reason <laughs> to go to Vegas. You just yeah. can't go.
2: I mean, right? I, I yeah, I mean, I, it's fun though because just about every team you'll have, uh, and I mentioned when the Jazz were playing, obviously Jerry Sloan was still the coach of the team. He didn't have those health issues, but. Uh, You know, the head coaches aren't coaching the team, but they're here. They're here. Uh, Coach of the Miami Heat. Why am I I forgetting his name? Uh, Eric Spolstra. So I'm sitting right next to him. His Miami Heat team are playing. And I'm like in the media section here. A lot of the coaches sit there, right? They don't sit on the bench. And I'm sitting next to Spolstra, and I don't really know what to say to him. And I'm watching his heat play, and he's screaming at the officials like he's coaching. It was hilarious. What are you doing? You, you, you Open your eyes. And I'm like, this is Spolstra I'm sitting next to. And I just thought that was the coolest thing in the world. Like, I have so many cool— And you'd
1: s- never get that if you went to a heat game. No. Never. <laughs>
2: I mean I mean it's 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 no of course not uh, it's just it's so cool by the way the first games as I mentioned it's not a full schedule I don't believe on Thursday but there's a lot of games on Thursday the Rockets Orlando Portland's playing the Pistons and uh, a lot of games uh, so day one those are the, those are the two games that uh, are gonna be televised I guess I, I think that's the televised schedule but um, it's so much fun. You get to. I remember watching. You know, obviously being a Boston Celtics fan, I watched Rajon Rondo in the in the summer league. Uh, never thought he was going to be the player he was. You see a lot of guys that uh, you know. Blake Blake Griffin's another guy. You know, watching Kevin Durant play in the Summer League, Steph Curry, never thought those guys were going to be as good as they are today. Yeah, some
1: of those guys come out of there. But you know, one of my favorite things about Summer League is when they bring in that seventh, eighth, ninth man from the actual team, and you see how good this guy is. He has the handcuffs off, and he's not just playing a role. And he comes down there, he's like, I get to be the man on the Summer League team. It's like what Junkyard Dog says, he's like, come down, drop 40 or
2: 50. (laughs) Yep. Marcus Banks, a friend of mine who played for UNLV, at the time he was a backup to Steve Nash in Phoenix, and he was pissed that they asked him to play in the summer league cuz he oh. was he had already played 4 or 5 uh, years and he was pissed I saw Reggie Jackson come in one year oh, oh my yeah. that god that guy can score. Marcus scored like forty-five <laughs> points, and then the next day they said, "Hey, you don't need to be here anymore. You can go. You can go back to Phoenix." Uh, some people take it personal. Uh, yeah. these guys that have they have egos. I think know. Reggie
1: Jackson did. Yeah, the way he guys, was using and abusing these guys. Some yeah. guys
2: have the ego, but you're right. These guys that are seventh, eighth, ninth on that NBA roster. You watched them play in the summer league, and you actually see how good these guys the are. Guy that's built
1: his body up yeah. already and knows yeah. how to do the physica- physical things. Yeah,
2: yeah, it, it, it is pretty cool to watch. Uh, Tim Donahue, the official who cheated on NBA games as a referee, uh, I actually met him at the NBA Summer League before that scandal went down. He was teaching other officials, hopefully not to bet on games. But... Uh... Oh, I have a lot of uh, cool moments, and I think the coolest one for me was embarrassing Daryl Morey, the former general manager of the Houston Rockets, uh, in a ping-pong tournament there and winning, and, and embarrassing him in front of all of his friends. That was uh, very enjoyable for me. He retired, I think, from ping-pong after that. So. You force-gumped him. I did. I really did. So that was—I uh, won that two years in a row, and then they, they stopped doing it. I think I destroyed that tournament. So Yeah. Uh, oh, well, what are you going anyway, to do? T- Too bear, <laughs> Too Thomas, give out the information, my man. Before we go, how do people uh, you contact?
1: you? You have a, if you have a criminal case, no one's going to get you a better result than me. Some people might luck into it, but I really know what I'm doing. Yeah,
2: I, I tend to I tend to uh, concur on that one, Thomas. Thank you so much for being here, as always. Appreciate it, my man, and and, and thanks for being a part of the show. All right, everybody, that's a wrap. Thanks to Warren for uh, coming on as well and and Jeff for coming on. And uh, we'll do it same time, same place tomorrow, everybody. Delilah might be in with Chris Wynn tomorrow. I don't know. We'll see. Have a great day.